Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a sincere love for God as we pick up in Job chapter 2, verse 4. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And you spend your time in meditation, in His Word, and just in fellowship with Him, that fellowship is extremely meaningful. Because God knows you don't have to. But it's coming from your heart. And for that reason, God created man, and God has allowed the whole mess to exist in order that there might be, at least within it, those who would love him with a sincere love. You don't have to love God. You don't have to serve God. There are very attractive alternate decisions. But man must make his choice. And God is honored when man makes the right choice. Now, Satan then is a tool that God uses. God has placed him under certain restrictions And still there are restrictions. However, Job is now afflicted with boils all over his body, running sores. He takes a piece of broken pottery and scrapes his body. Extremely painful, stinky, loathsome, covered. He sits in a bed of ashes because it's impossible to sit down or lie down anywhere without the extreme pain of this staph-type infection that covered his entire body. And his wife coming near to him, smelling the foul odor, seeing the pain and the suffering and the misery of a man who has been reduced to this, said to her husband, why don't you get it over with? Why don't you curse God and die? Now, that came from a heart of love. It hurt her to see her husband in such total misery. Job, I can't stand to see you like this. Why don't you get it over with? Why don't you curse God and die? But he said unto her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we receive only good from the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all of this did not Job sin with his lips. Now, there were three friends who, when they heard of the misery of Job, decided that they would come and visit with him. Eliphaz, who was from Timnan, Timan, he's a Timonite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar, Zophar the Namathite, and they had made an appointment to gather together and to mourn with him and to comfort him. When they saw him, they didn't recognize him. And 
they were just so shocked that they just began to weep. They tore their clothes and they just sat down weeping. And for seven days and for seven nights, they sat there and no one said a word to him because their grief was extremely great. And finally, Job spoke up. And Job begins to curse the day of his birth. Job opened his mouth and he cursed his day. Notice he didn't curse God, just the day in which he was born. Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said, there's a boy that is conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for the night, let darkness seize upon it. And you notice the repetition of darkness, blackness, darkness. This is Hebrew poetry. It's that repetition and, and all of a thought and of an idea with amplification upon it. Let that night be solitary. Let no joyful sound come therein. Let them curse it as the curse of the day who are ready to raise up their mourning. And let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light and have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb nor hid the sorrows from my eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why wasn't I stillborn? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of her belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should nurse? For now should I have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept, then I had been at rest. With the kings and the counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves, or with the princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver, or as an hidden untimely birth, I had not been as infants which never saw light. Why didn't I die where it would all be over with? I would have just been quiet. I would have never experienced anything. There, he said, the wicked cease from troubling, and there the weary be at rest. There the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. The small and the great are there. The servant is free from his master. Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life to the bitter in soul, which long for death, but it does not come. They dig for it more than for hid treasures, which rejoice exceedingly and are glad, which can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hid and in whom God hath hedged in? For my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came." Now, let me point out, first of all, that you should not take the statements of Job in his misery and seek to develop from them biblical doctrine. For the Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses and others, have taken these statements of Job here, and they have developed the doctrine of soul sleep out of these statements of Job. 
where he declares, verse 17, there the wicked cease from troubling, there the weary be at rest, there the prisoners rest together, they hear not the voice of the oppressor. He's talking about the grave. Why, why didn't I just die where even the wicked is at rest, where nobody is troubled, where there's silence, where there's nothing? Remember now the context. This is Job. He's crying out of the misery of his own experience. These are not God's inspired truths that he is crying. These are his endeavor to understand God and the ways of God. Job is actually challenging God. Why did God ever allow me to live? Why didn't I just, why wasn't I born dead? And the reason why you cannot take these statements of Job as he is talking about death, where there is no trouble, where everybody is at rest and peace and so forth, the reason why you cannot take these for biblical doctrine is verified in the 38th chapter of the book of Job. For after the vain endeavor of man to understand what was going on, God finally came on the scene. And in the 38th chapter, when God began to speak to Job, God began to question Job. He said, first of all, the first question, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Now, what is expressed in Job is the greatest knowledge of the day, the philosophies of men and the wise men of that day. And God speaks of all of their speculations of being words without knowledge, which indeed they were. All of this counsel lacks real knowledge to it. It did. None of them really understood what was really going on behind the scenes. Who is this that darkeneth words of counsel without knowledge? And then in verse 17, God said to Job, Have the gates of death been open unto you, or have you seen the doors of the shadow of the death? Okay, Job, you've been talking about, hey, I wish I were dead, where everything is quiet, where there is no trouble, where there are no problems. Everyone rests together. God said, well, hey, have the gates of death, have you been there? Do you know what's going on there? You know, you're talking, Job, of, with words that have no knowledge. You're talking of things you don't know about. You haven't been there. You don't know that that's the case. Therefore, if you want to develop doctrine concerning what transpires to a person when he dies, you cannot go to the words of Job or to the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes, nor even to the Psalms. Because many times these men were speaking of things of which they did not know, expressing the ideas, the thoughts, the wisdom of man and the limited knowledge of men. If you really want to know what happens beyond the grave, you better go to the words of Jesus. Who knows better than he? If you want to develop doctrine of what happens when a person dies, you have to go to the words of Christ or to the inspired words of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. 
God rebukes Job because he's talking about something that he knows nothing about, talking about death and what he imagines what would be if he were dead, but God said, you're wrong. Now, there are those blessed, misguided saints who are just as ignorant as Zophar and Bildad and Eliphaz who take the scripture where Job declared, what the thing I feared, the thing I feared has come upon me, and they say that was Job's problem. He lacked faith. And he was fearing these things all the time, and, you know, you, what you say is what you get. And so Job had this fear which shows the lack of faith. Had he had enough faith, this never would have happened to him. That's as stupid and ignorant as Eliphaz or Bildad or any of the rest of them that were trying to understand Job's condition. These men show the same ignorance, only they have no excuse for their ignorance because God has told us in the beginning what was going on. At least Eliphaz and Bildad, so far, they have an excuse for their ignorance because they weren't able to read the first chapter of Job, you know, to know what was really happening. But it is, well, it, I, I can't get into that. I, but it is so, so it's, it's not biblical exposition. It is sheer stupidity to use this scripture to say, well, you know, the person, because you were fearing this, this is why it happened to you and all, and, the thing that you fear is going to come upon you. That is not true. You can look at David and he said, I know that one day Saul is going to kill me. That's a negative confession, David. What you say is what you get. No, Saul didn't kill him. You don't have to be worried about making some negative confession. You know, it isn't that God is waiting and listening and you make some negative, all right, you said it, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, what kind of a God is that? In the same token, you can make a positive confession for something that is not good for you, and God is gracious enough not to do it for you. You don't control God, and please don't try. The world is in enough of a mess now. <laughs> and it would be even worse if I were the one that began to take over and order the things that were going to happen. So Job has made his complaint. And so Eliphaz, his friend who came to comfort him, he said, if we attempt to talk to you, will you be grieved? But really, after what you've said, who can keep silent? He said, behold, you have instructed many people. You have strengthened weak hands. Your words have held up the person who was falling. And you have strengthened feeble knees. But now, when it comes to you, you faint. It touches you and you're troubled. Oh, those are nice words to hear, aren't they? I'm a friend who's come to comfort you in all your misery. Well, you know, great one you are. You know, you were counseling and lifting up others. Your words held them up and all, and 
and, and you were going around, you know, doing this. But now it comes to you. Look what happens, man. You faint. It, you know, you go under. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee. What innocent man ever perished? And you see, already he's beginning to get the knife out. Job, you're not innocent. What innocent man ever perished? Well, let me tell you this. Many innocent men have perished. There's not really good logic to what Eliphaz is saying at all. In fact, the most innocent of all men was crucified. So there really isn't sound wisdom in what Eliphaz is saying. It's just, you know, the argumentations of men which often lack real wisdom. Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. So, Job, you're just getting what you sowed. You're reaping it now. Those that sow iniquity and wickedness, they reap the same. By the blast of God, they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils, they are consumed. The roaring of a lion, the voice of the fierce lion, and the teeth of young lions are broken. The old lion perisheth for lack of a prey, and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. Now, he said, he gets all mystic. A thing was brought secretly to me. My ear received a little of it. In the thoughts from the visions in the night when a deep sleep had fallen upon men, a fear came upon me and trembling. It made all my bones shake. A spirit passed before my face and the hair in my flesh stood up. And it stood still, but I could not discern the form of it and an image was before my eyes, and there was silence. And I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. So the guy comes off now super spiritual. <laughs> Have you ever had those people come around super spiritual, you know, when you're in trouble? And, you know, visions and dreams and voices of angels and spirits and all, you know, and this hoo thing, you know. <laughs> and so here's Oli Levaz, you know, when other men were asleep in a deep sleep in night, the spirit passed by. I could tell it was there. I couldn't tell the form. And it began to speak, you know. He charged his angels with folly, and how much less in those that dwell in houses of clay. Interesting and picturesque phrase of our body, a house of clay. But in the New Testament, it said we have a treasure in this earthen vessel. Same thing, in this house of clay, there's a fabulous treasure, for God is dwelling in this house of clay. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? And we have this glorious treasure, he said, in these earthen vessels, that the glory, God has put a lot of treasure in this dumb clay pot in order that the glory will always go to God, not to the clay pot. I'm just the vessel, but I have the capacity to contain the wealthiest treasure in the world, even God will dwell within my life. 
but it is ridiculous. It's ludicrous to put something of such great value in such a common container, just a clay pot. But God has done it, that the glory will not be in the vessel, but in the contents. Now, it is always pathetic and sad and tragic when the clay pot tries to get the glory and tries to draw attention and glory to itself rather than to the one who dwells within doing the work. So I love this. It's, it's very picturesque. Men who dwell in houses of clay, talking about our body, whose foundation is the dust, which are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency, which is in them, go away? They die even without wisdom. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 2 through 4 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless and keep you in His love. And may your life be enriched daily as you study the Word and as you worship God in spirit and in truth, for God is seeking such to worship Him. May your life in Christ grow, be enriched, and develop more and more day by day. So may the Lord bless and keep, strengthen and guide in the love of Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I have a question for you. How would you like to go from Genesis to Revelation in one year using a daily Bible devotional? 
And what if this devotional was written by Pastor Chuck? Then I've got great news. Be one of the many thousands of readers who have enjoyed reading Wisdom for Today, a daily devotional that speaks volumes of wisdom to apply to your everyday life. Come alongside Pastor Chuck as he takes you on a journey from Genesis to Revelation, providing God's truth to answer your questions and discover how this might very well become your most beloved and cherished devotional ever. To order your copy of Wisdom for Today, a leather hardback, for yourself or for a loved one, please call The Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online for more information and to read a preview at thewordfortoday.org.